Good morning and welcome to Rich Thoughts for Breakfast. I'm Harold Herring and that's my super fine wife, Belle. <laughs> Today's call, we're going to talk about the best belongs to you. You know, I received a question which I didn't answer on yesterday's call because we had all kinds of challenges and thank you for your patience. The question was whether or not Christians should have luxuries. First, let's define luxuries. My dictionary defines luxuries as the comforts and beautiful things of life beyond what are really necessary. The definition continues by saying costly food, clothing, houses, furniture, the things a person enjoys, usually very costly and very choice. For decades, Christians have felt that they should just have enough food to eat and wear the simplest of clothes. They considered it holy to just barely make it. Somehow, poverty was thought to be a sign of spirituality or great love for God. Jesus didn't seem to function in that frame of mind. In fact, the first miracle he ever performed was one of luxury and of a material nature. It took place at the marriage feast in Cana, as told in the second chapter of the book of John. When the host of the marriage feast ran out of wine, Jesus didn't say, well, the guests have had enough, time for everybody to go home. No, he made wine for everyone in attendance. The Apostle John reports that it was the best wine. It was a luxury. I think it's important to note that Jesus performed the miracle of a luxury for people who already had plenty of wine to drink. God does not mind if you have luxuries. Even Jesus owned nice things. The Bible describes his cloak as being so lovely, the soldiers crucified him who crucified him, cast lots to see who would be fortunate enough to own it. As we continue the study in the Word, we will discover many similar examples of God's luxurious giving. If God himself set the pattern, who are we to change it? Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is not against you having luxuries. Or is he? Let's look at it. Shortly before his crucifixion, dinner was having uh, Jesus was having dinner in the house of a Pharisee when a woman brought an alabaster box of precious ointment and anointed him with it. His disciples looked on the action and complained. To what purpose is this waste, they said. Matthew 26, verses 8 and 9, in part, says, For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Instead of even arguing with the apostles, Jesus replied, this is in Matthew 6, 19, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. Once again, we see Jesus does not mind nice things. He did not even answer the disciples' comments about the waste of ointment. Actually, in some ways, he said, the poor will always be with you, but in another way. Anyway, instead, he commented on the woman's actions and called him a good work. He even prophesied about her. Because it says in Matthew 26, 13, Whosoever... This gospel shall be preached in the whole world. There shall also this, that this what this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Jesus recognized there is enough wealth in the world for everybody. And it was fine for the luxurious alabaster box to be broken and his precious oil poured upon him, which was actually in preparation for his upcoming burial, 
But anyway, Jesus appreciated the woman's heart so much that he said her actions would be remembered right along with the other magnificent parts of the gospel as a memorial to her. Notice that Jesus never memorialized the actions of those who exemplified poverty, lack, and insufficiency. But here he memorializes the good deed done to him with a costly ointment. Well, is Jesus against luxuries? The word of God certainly gives no, us no indication that he opposed them during his earthly ministry. His own actions seem to indicate that he was not against them. So why should many Christians feel that luxuries are, well, not allowed? Remember, the greatest luxury of all is the precious blood of Jesus, which is poured out without limit for the whole world. By now, we should really be, well, be more convinced that if you give generously into the preaching of the gospel, God will not withhold good things from you. Luxuries do not take the place of the precious gospel, but they are available to the children of God. Can we have the good things in life? You know, our lives mm -mm, begin to change dramatically when we start to actually believe God's promises. It doesn't really matter how expensive clothing gets or how high the prices of grocery soars because God says he'll take care of us. If we are taking care of the things that we've been called to do, like the church and the ministries that are preaching the gospel around the world, it's, it's really pretty simple. If we believe and trust God, you know, his, we will, and we give to really his work, um, then just as the scriptures obviously tell us and show us to do, then there's a the good news that there is a promise in return for our giving. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Notice this verse does not say God will supply these good things out of his riches and glory, but rather he will supply them in accordance with his riches and glory. That means God plans to supply you according to the good things he enjoys in heaven. Of course, we know that heaven is not poverty-ridden. God's throne is not made out of wood and plaster and threadbare upholstery. The Apostle John surely isn't describing a slum or second-hand store when he gives us the description of God's riches in glory in Revelation 21, verses 18 through 21. 21, 18 through 21. It says, And the building of the wall, it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, unlike clear, like unto clear glass. And the foundation of the wall of the city was garnished with all manner of precious stones. First foundation was jasper, second was sapphire, the third was Chalcedonia, the fourth was emerald, the fifth was sardonyx, the sixth sardis, Seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, and the tenth, chrysoprase. Anyhow, a big name. Big name. The eleventh, jacinth, the twelfth, amethyst, and uh, the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every gate was one of was one of a pearl, 
and the street of the city was pure gold, as if it was transparent glass. God always enjoys good things, and he said he'll supply our needs in the same fashion, according to his riches in glory. Again, that's Philippians 419. Mm. The point is, God does want you to have good things. So suppose, think, think along with this, suppose you were doing well and prospering and your son and daughter become a partner with you. Well, suppose that he or she pleased you by being a great worker in the family business. Would you live in a mansion in the best part of town and allow your child to just have a cheap apartment in the slums? Would you enjoy the riches and expect your child to barely get by? Certainly not. And scripture tells us that we as humans know how to give good things, gifts to our children. We can be certain, it says, really, that God is going to give better things to his children. It actually says it in Luke 11, 13. Luke 11, verse 13, when it says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give to those who love him? God does not talk about giving us, well, little tiny portions. The psalmist David wrote about the abundance the Lord provides in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verses 5 and 6. Thou preparest a table, a banquet before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hopefully everyone, well, on this call, it grasps the desire that God has for you. He wants you to sit at a banquet table. He wants to anoint you with costly oil. He wants your cup to run over with good things. He wants goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life. There's no talk in the Bible about, well, running out or running short or doing without or not having enough. God talks about abundance and supplying needs. He talks about always abounding in the magnificent things he's created in this world and he wants us to be a part of. Matter of fact, he shows us by his principles how to receive those things. And how many times have we ever st stood in a store and, and uh, weighed the difference between a bad suit or a good suit or a cheap dress or a well-made dress? How many times have we bought a poor pair of jeans instead of a pair of jeans that would last us longer? Or how many times have we thought that we couldn't have the best because, well, we just didn't want to look too, too goody-goody for being a Christian? We might have a shocking statement for you. God wants you to have the best. Let's say that again. God wants you, you to have, have the, the best. best. You don't have to doubt that. That's right. Because it's in the Word of God. And guess and that, what? And yeah, and not only that, but it's like if you look at the beginning of time, as we know it, Abraham was a rich man, Isaac was a rich man. Jacob was a rich man. The, ch the children all prospered. Why? Because they served a rich God, and he richly blessed. Gave them, blessed them exactly because they were doing and walking in accordance and, and carrying on the covenant. Even when they didn't, he was pretty good to them and brought them back if they yeah, asked. Absolutely. We want you to join us tomorrow because we're going to kind of finish this teaching on tomorrow's call. We're going to go a little deeper into the fact that God wants you to have the best. That's it. Never doubt it, because it's in the, the Word, Word of God. God. Hallelujah.
So until such time, God bless you. Happy trails. And keep thinking rich thoughts from the Word of God. We love you. We appreciate you. God bless you. Bye-bye.